Oh, man. Well, happy Tuesday, everybody. It's Sunday, right? Man, it's so good. Tuesday's a big day for our church, though. Big day because we're sending a whole slew of teenagers to camp this Tuesday. And, uh, yeah. And some brave, brave adults that are going to go along with them and uh, care for them and disciple them throughout the week. It's going to be remarkable. Uh, Tuesday also is a day that we celebrate uh, in our country freedom. And uh, isn't it so fitting today that we have our newest Marine home? Yeah? We are so proud of Hayden as he went and he completed officer candidate school and he is full bore Marine now. Man, we're excited. Excited for the way that God's going to use you, uh, for sure. We've missed you over the last six weeks, uh, without a doubt. Uh, my goodness, freedom, what a word. What an amazing word, and it comes with so much connotation. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was out with uh, Rachel, my wife, her family, and uh, uh, one of the things that we were doing is their friends, or not friends, but family from kind of all over the country uh, came to um, their home and while, uh, while we were all there, one of the traditions is that Rachel's grandparents, who are both 95, uh, that they would tell some stories about when they were younger. And the kids will ask questions, and we'll get a chance to just kind of hear from them uh, at the time. Well, uh, Rachel's grandmother was telling a story about her brother and uh, how she just... When she was little, she just wanted to play with her brother and his friends, and, and uh, they, would never, they would never let her play with them until this one day. And this one day, they were going to have this hole where they were going to tie her to a tree, and then they were going to pretend like they're having to, like, rescue her. And so, so she's telling this story, and they get, you know, she's just so thrilled because they said yes, that she could play with them. And so she goes outside, and they tie her to the tree, and then they go on, and they're supposed to be coming back and rescuing her, and time goes on, and time goes on, and time goes on, and, and then dinner time comes. Dinner time comes. It's been all day. Dinner time comes, and her brother comes into the dinner table, and the mom asks, where's Geraldine? Where's Jerry? And he goes, oh, oh no. And he had forgotten about her all day long. She stood tied to a tree all day long. So he runs back to the tree and he rescues her. And she was so thrilled to see him. Rather than perhaps maybe what yours and my response was going to be at that point, her response was, what took you so long? She was just so excited that they were still playing with her. She thought they'd just been playing all day. A whole day. That is not how my response would be. Now, Rachel, her granddaughter, has a very different response when it comes to freedom, all right? So early on in our marriage, um, we, uh, you know, how you kind of wrestle uh, and things like that. And so early on in our marriage, uh, Rachel seemed to have this idea in her mind that she could take me, okay? And she just really believed that she could, she could whoop me, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I don't think that's the case, um, but give it a go, right? And so she, she kind of comes at me, and, and I, I pin her down on the ground. And uh, what I learned is Rachel does not like to be pinned down on the ground. 
because she was like a rabid hyena that all of a sudden she just came alive in a way I was like, dude, that is not cool. I don't want any part of that. But the thing is, is that, it, I mean, come on, right? I mean, she still to this day thinks she can take me, I think. But, but anyway, but, but there's this freedom. She wanted her freedom. She was headbutting and biting and doing all kinds of stuff, man. Like she was ready to go, you know, but she wanted her freedom, you know, and, 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 in 1997, I was a student pastor. We took a group of teenagers to the Metroplex to this thing called Celebrate Freedom. It was around the 4th of July. And uh, what we would do is we'd go, and it's like I've got all these amazing bands that are playing, and, uh, and we're enjoying the concert. And the next thing you know, though, it, it just starts pouring down rain. And I mean just buckets of rain. Everything's still going on everything. So we just stayed and enjoyed the music, and it was just a slop fest, and, you know, it's like the Christian, you know, Woodstock, I guess, you know, and so it's just this thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Well, you know, the day finishes soaking wet and everything, and mind you, this is a bunch of teenagers, right? And so we all get in the church van to come home, or actually, we're going to my sister's house because we're going to stay there, and uh, we, we get in the van, and all of a sudden, there's a smell, and you know that just funk, right? Just that horrible, horrible funk. And what had happened was there was a young man who I'd been working with him on hygiene for a long time at this point now, and, uh, and he had taken his shoes off. Oh, and we were stuck. Like, we were in the van, and I mean, nobody could say anything because, man, it would have made him feel horrible, but we're all just there, and we're trapped in the funk, and I mean, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and what we wanted, we wanted our freedom. We wanted to get out of that van. We wanted to open the windows. We wanted to go, dude, put your shoes back on. So note to self, teenagers, make sure your shoes smell okay before Tuesday, and if they don't, don't take them off in the bus for 13 hours on your way to New Mexico, okay? Nobody wants to be trapped. They like their freedom, and the freedom includes good smells in the nostrils. So uh, anyway, have you ever been in any of these situations where you're like constrained or you're bound or you just, you're feeling a little claustrophobic and you're like, man, I just want my freedom, you know? And I just, I just want to be set free, but you couldn't. You couldn't be set free and you couldn't move, you were stuck. Maybe you weren't even in a place where you could choose to go a different path. It's a tough spot, isn't it? It's a tough place to be. Y'all, we value our freedom, don't we? We value our freedom, and this week we celebrate. We celebrate freedom in a really, really remarkable way. We celebrate not being enslaved to other people or another government. We celebrate this amazing, amazing gift that none of us chose or very few chose because you, you didn't do anything to be born in this country. Some people did a lot to be born in this country. For me, I was just born here. I didn't, I didn't, my parents didn't have to make any trek anywhere. I didn't do anything to receive this freedom that I have. You know what's interesting about the freedom that we share as Americans? It's so amazing that how, how ironically, oftentimes people, with all the freedom that we have, subconsciously choose 
to be bound up. We have the ability to do most anything we want to do. Most of the time we have the means to do most anything. And if we don't, you just borrow, borrow money for it, right? And then get enslaved in our freedom. It's a really interesting Interesting thing. You know, God's got a, a lot to say about freedom, of course, you know, and true to form in the way God does. It's, all, it's not always in the way we think it's going to be. And so let's read tonight, John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36, just to kind of get us started this evening. He said, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And what is it that sets us free? The truth. The truth will set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? They didn't get it. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, I'm not talking about your physical condition. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now you may have complete freedom to do what you want, but everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, Jesus was telling, you know, this population of people, um, this, these, this Jewish audience, uh, that God's going to set them free. The truth, God's truth would set them free and they just didn't get it. They were thinking about being enslaved to people, and they just, they just didn't get it at the time. They were thinking of a political, physical freedom. But here's what Jesus is talking about. The freedom Jesus spoke of was spiritual freedom from sin and its effects. You see, sin has a great effect on everybody on this planet. We're going to get there in just a few moments, but it has a way of binding us up where we can choose what we think we want. And sometimes that is the very choice that binds us tighter than people who are literally owned by someone else in another part of the world. Yet they may be set free by God's truth. It's a very interesting reality here. The chains of sin, this is what we have to remember, they can't be broken by just good moral thinking. The chains of sin, they're, they're, they're not broken by just self-discipline. Self-help books, this is not what it's about. I mean, think about this here. Uh, let's think about some of the things we're addicted to in this room, okay? Coffee, who's addicted to coffee, right? Yeah, sugar. Who loves sugar? If you're in le legacy group, everybody raise your dadgum hand because Angie Ivy feeds us sugar every week, okay? It's amazing too, wonderful sugar, amazing. Anyway, okay, how about late night snacks? Man, you're sitting there, woo, baby, right? Come on, late night snacks. I mean, you're there and you're like trying to decompress. You're watching a little TV or something. All of a sudden, a little grumble and tumble, right? And you're like, I got to get something to eat. I just need something, just a little taste of something. The next thing you know, you've eaten a pint of ice cream. Or maybe some cheese balls or maybe, some, I don't know. I don't know, something. What? What do you eat? Okay, anyway. All right, so how about your phone? Who's addicted to your phone? Everybody raise your dadgum hand. You're addicted to your phone, okay? How about social media? Get your hand up, all you be-reelers out there. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know? Yeah, without a doubt, social media for sure. How about just technology, video games and, and computers and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah, these are these, these, are these addictions that we share. These are just all addictions that, that seem okay, <laughs> right? They seem like they're not that bad, right? I mean, because when we think of addiction, we think of drugs, alcohol, sex, all this kind of stuff, right? The reality is, is man, these are, these are some things. Here's what addiction does, right? Addiction binds a person physically and mentally to a substance or an experience. And this is not something you just will yourself out of. It takes serious commitment. It takes a devotion. AA would tell you it takes petitioning a higher power in your life in order to be set free from this addiction. No matter how hard you try, you've been there, right? No matter how hard you try, you find yourself chained to the addiction. Just one more cup of coffee. I mean, I've had three today, but I should have a fourth, right? And just, man, just one more energy drink. Just one more, just, man, just, just, just a few more minutes scrolling. Just a little bit longer, you know, just scroll. Yeah, it, we try so hard, but yet find ourselves chained find ourselves bound, and all of a sudden, all this time has gone. Even when sometimes we really want badly to change and to resist that temptation. You know, there's a musician, his name is Brian Welch. You may know him as Head from the band Corn. Um, he describes his addiction to drugs being so strong that he couldn't stop taking them, even in front of his daughter, which was something he always uh, told himself he would never do. Y'all watch this. You know, the interesting thing is, is that this guy could do anything he wanted to do. He had plenty of money, plenty of fame, plenty of notoriety. He had respect. He had all kinds of stuff. He was literally living what many would say is the American dream. Could do what he want, when he want, however he want, and people would, would clean up his messes. What's so amazing about that is, in that freedom, he was more bound than he ever thought. He was so bad, so much so that he was so dependent upon drugs that he prayed to receive Christ. Did y'all pick this up? I prayed to receive Christ, and my plan was to go home and snort a line of crystal meth till I couldn't feel anymore. He was so bound. His daughter's right there. And he needed this. He was miserable. 
It's a remarkable reality that, gosh, this amazing freedom we have politically and socially, yet spiritually, we can be bound and we can be enslaved to the darkness of this world, to the darkness of, of the universe in a way that is binding, completely miserable. And so, yeah, we, we, here we are, free to move about this country as we please. But yet, perhaps more bound than someone who is literally politically or physically enslaved in another part of the world. That's how powerful sin is. Sin is so incredibly powerful, we have to wrap our minds around the effects of it. Because if you get down to it, think about this. The leading cause of addiction, it's sin. The leading cause of abuse, it's sin. I mean, most people who are abusers are repeating a cycle that was done to them. It's sin. The leading cause of neglect, it's sin. Most of the time, because the person was neglected, they then neglect. It's sin. Leading cause of divorce is sin, selfishness, right? Yeah. Leading cause of division in this world, it's sin. I mean, think about this here. What's the leading cause of gun violence? Sin. What is the leading cause of war? Sin. Selfishness. Power. Right? It's sin. What's the leading cause of the border crisis? What is it? It's sin. Without a doubt. What's the leading cause of mental illness in America today? Sin whether it's original sin, whether it's generational sin, or whether it's individual. The effects of sin have created mental health challenges all over this country. Leading cause of depression and anxiety, it's sin. Leading cause of ADHD, it's sin. Without a doubt. You want to know what the leading cause of inflation is? <laughs> Some of you guys are going, oh. it's sin. Do you see the power of sin and shame in our world? And I'm not overstating these things. This just legitimately is, we have to work the way we have to work because of sin. We have to do the things we have to do because of the fact that Adam and Eve chose to do selfish things. And it has cascaded into the day that we live today. And we live on this earth in a way where the body is not what it is designed to be. Our relationship with the Lord is not what it is designed to be. We have to overcome these things, these barriers, this spiritual warfare that's going on on this earth. It's all a result of sin. Whether it's the effects of sin that someone else has imparted on us, or whether it's our own sin that we then are imparting on other people. All of these things are a result of sin. And guess what? You can be set free while you are simultaneously experiencing the effects of your own or someone else's sin. You can be as sick as all get out physically and free. Did you know that? Will you recognize that this world is not our home and fear and death are no longer something that control the person. They've been set free to live 
the fullness of life while their body is ravaged with illness. The same thing is true. Some of the happiest, most devoted to Jesus people, I'll never forget. I'm this young seminary student, and somebody had paid for all of us to go to Cuba in hopes that we would have some connection with Cuba as we entered into pastoral ministry. They sent us on this trip, and I go there, and as the arrogant American that I was, I step into Cuba, and and I was just amazed at as poor a people that that they, they they loved their Lord. And they loved life and they loved each other in a way that was inspirational to me. And I thought, how is this possible? Well, because they didn't live according to the definition of success that we experience here in our country. They were living a spiritual freedom that superseded anything that is defined as success. They'd been set free which is why when we showed up, it just horrified me that they gave us their daily meal. That's amazing. And it made me cringe once I learned that that's what was happening. You can be set free while you're simultaneously experiencing the effects of your own or someone else's sin. We know there's consequence, right? We know there's consequence to the way we eat. We know there's consequence to the way if we don't work out. We know there's consequence exercise. We know there's consequence to overspending. We know there's consequence to anger. We know there's consequence to all these things. So those consequences get passed down for generations. The effects of that sin get passed down for generations. But we can experience freedom in the midst of that. It's entirely possible to be in this world, but not of this world. It's entirely possible to be set free from the fear of sin and death. What's so interesting, as valuable and as worthy of celebration as the freedom we experience in our country, what we have to understand is spiritual freedom is far more powerful. Spiritual freedom in relationship through Jesus with our Heavenly Father is far more powerful. Listen to the words of God through Paul as he declares freedom to those who give their life to Christ. Here it is, Romans 4.4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we'll certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The question is, do we live like it? You've been set free from it, but do we still engage? In Legacy Group today, we were were asking the question about temptation. And temptation seems to be the thing that is one of the least asked for prayers from a believer, to be set free, right? To be delivered from temptation. Why? Because we like to do what we want to do. We like to ask forgiveness rather than permission, don't we? This is that understanding. Anyone who's died has been set free from sin, yet the effects still tend to to wreak havoc in our lives. 
Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he can't die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And so in the same way, you and me, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself as, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. There is a beautiful phrase that we read in the word of God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do we live that way? As if there's no condemnation for the choices we've made in our lives? Shame, fear, regret, all those things, are they still binding us up? Or are we, are we set free from this? You're set free from sin and shame. You're also set free from the effects of other people's sin on you. There's the beauty. It's not just the things that we've chosen individually. It's also the effects of all these people for generations. And you guys know, you've done the research before. When you look back on your lineage, the generations before you, and you see all of the things that have happened, you look at your family tree and you see the divorce that's in your family tree and you see the medical complications that are in your family tree and you see the enmeshed relationships that are in your family tree and you see the healthy relationships that are in your family tree and you see all these things. When you do all of that work, what we have to understand is when we choose Jesus, we've been set free from all of the effects of sin and shame of those that have come before us. Even though oftentimes we repeat the same cycles because it's been passed down. The sin is passed down. The same is true for generational blessings. They last a lot longer than the sin does, but the sin, temptation, all of that, man, we are no longer bound by that. Are we living as if we are no longer bound by that? Or do we kind of like to sin every now and then? Kind of like to let our hair down and kind of do what we want to do and go our own the bottom line is, is that yours and the effects of other sin on you, they have no power over you. And so you know what we do? You know what you need to do? Take your medication, all right? Take your medication. This is not the talk where you're sitting there going, you know what, I don't need medications, God's gonna have. No, take your medication. Take care of your body. Exercise. Do the things you need to do. Be careful what we put in our minds, right? And fight. And fight, because we are not ruled by sin and shame. We are ruled by grace. We are ruled by mercy, by forgiveness. Romans 6, 17, and 18. Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come, is this true? To obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance, our number one allegiance, is to the Lord. Obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. 
I know you're kind of thinking, wait, I don't really want to be a slave to anybody, but Everett Harrison says in his commentary on Romans, he says, to be set free from the obligation to serve sin means entrance upon the service of righteousness. That's what it means. If we're going to no longer be slaves to sin, we then are binding ourselves to righteousness, to following the will of God and living in the truth, and that truth is what sets us free. So we look at our family, we look at our friends, we look at our, co- we look at our situation and we see the truth. We don't stick our head in the sand and act like it didn't happen. We look at it through the eyes of the Father. Truth. And when we know the truth, we can be set free. We can address the truth, and we can be set free. So while it's right and good this week, we should celebrate big on Tuesday because there's cause for celebration. The freedom that we experience in this country is amazing. It's absolutely phenomenal, and we should forever and ever be grateful for the freedom that we have. The way that we get to live, we should forever be thankful for that. Let's just make sure that while we celebrate our political and physical freedom, while we celebrate the liberation that we have from some form of government or ruling body over our lives, let us also understand that that freedom is not the same as the freedom we find in Christ. The freedom we find in Christ is far more powerful, far more remarkable, far more freeing. So let's see the full picture This week, Sinclair Ferguson in his book, The Four Principles for the Exercise of Christian Liberty, he explains the rights of a Christian. This is interesting. The rights of a Christian. You ready for this? Read this. True Christian liberty, unlike the various freedom or liberation movements in the secular world, is not a matter of demanding the rights that we have. It's not. Dare one to say that the American founding fathers, for all their wisdom, they may have inadvertently triggered off a distortion of Christianity by speaking about our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Christian realizes, the Christ follower realizes, that before God, he or she possesses no rights, possesses no rights by nature. In our sinfulness, we have forfeited all our rights. It's only when we recognize that we do not deserve our rights can we properly exercise them as privileges. Do we understand the freedom that we have as a privilege? Do we understand the freedom we have in Christ is a privilege to be honored? Y'all, we love our freedom, and we should. We should. We read about it in Scripture. This is God's design, God's desire for humanity, freedom. And we are indeed free to move about the country, right? But just because we're free to do as we please, the question we have to ask, are we set free in the most powerful way? Are we set free in the most powerful way? It's not just about declaring freedom. It's not just about demanding freedom. It's about living in freedom. Our freedom in Jesus calls us to action. It calls us to live in the fullness of Christ for his purpose in this world, regardless of political, social, physical, or our mental realities. We live for Christ. We can be set free spiritually while simultaneously experiencing the effects of our own or someone else's sin. We don't have to be bound by this. This is a beautiful reality. It's the power of the and. 
It can be difficult, and we can be free. It can be excruciatingly hard, and we can be free. It can be an incredible blessing, and we can be free. It can be an incredible blessing, and we can be completely bound up. The power of the and. Christ has made believers free from the bondage of sin and free to live in his fullness. And so, as we have already said, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. The question is, are you free? Father, we love you. We want to live in your freedom. Yes, Lord, we sit here on this week where we celebrate our freedom. But Lord, may we see the fullness of freedom where we are not bound by our sin and our shame, where we are not bound by others' sin and shame where we are not living in that generational impact of sin, but Lord, we are living, changing family trees and setting the future free by your truth. Eyes wide open, honest, not looking to see how close we can get to the line, but Lord, fleeing from temptation and living in your will and your way. Father, we need you. Lord, we know that while we sit here, it's, man, we can be defined by sickness. We can be defined by by, by jobs, we can be defined by uh, our realities here on this earth and family dynamics, we can be defined by those things. But Lord, may we resist being defined by those and may we instead be defined by our freedom we experience in you. So Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to this earth. Father, thank you for setting us free. Now, Lord, will you help us to live that freedom? We pray this through the name of Jesus, amen.